Welcome to Thrive Church Online. We are here to know God, to grow in Him, and go. We hope you feel encouraged and equipped through this week's message. Okay, so I hate being broken because I'm super type A. Like, is that fair? Like, I, I come on, I, I missed the knuckle bump. But like, I hate broken moments. I hate, um, I hate moments where I don't feel like I'm in control. And here's the thing, uh, I am not in control. I can't control the oxygen in my lungs. I can't control what's going on in my cells. I can't control what's going on uh, in the sound system, in the car. And uh, have you ever seen somebody do everything right and they get plowed by some idiot? Like just their car just gets creamed and you're like, well, you were doing everything right. How did it happen? Because it's when you when you teach your kids to drive, your kid will look at you and make this statement 9,000 times. Parents, back me on this one because you'll know it's true. You'll start teaching your kid how to drive and their favorite word is I know. Hey, you're too close to that car. I know. Hey, you're about to run off the edge. I know. Hey, that light was red. I know. If you know, why? How many times does God go, hey, what you're getting ready to do is wrong? You're like, I know. Hey, you're getting too close to that. I know. Hey, you're about to run off an edge. I know. But here's the thing. You didn't, you didn't pull your kid's license or kick them out of the family because they suck at driving. You thought about it. But you didn't do it. Here's the thing. God's not going to pull your card because you do something absolutely off script. You don't lose your grace and your mercy card because of stupidity. Everybody goes, well, you know, the devil didn't trick me into this. Can I just say this? The devil can't make you do anything. It's, it's the biggest misnomer we've ever taught in the church. Well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. The devil gave you an opportunity and you took it. Every sin you ever created was not a trap. It was a choice. Now, it may have been a good, like, cleverly late choice, but at the end of the day, you chose to sin. So why do we beat ourselves up for sins that we rank higher than other sins? You ever notice that you rank sins? Like you lie and just throw up a little Jesus I'm sorry thing. I'm sorry I told her that looked good on her, but I don't really like her. And, <laughs> and we don't feel guilty about that, right? But like if you almost get in a fist fight with somebody, you feel like you've got to pay some extra penance. Or... Or you fall into pornography or you fall into some other sin because you rank that sin higher. You feel like you've got like at some point you feel like like maybe you need to bloodlet a little bit just to let God know you're serious about not doing it again. I sit there and I just go, man, there's grace and mercy and we see sin different, but God sees sin as a separator from holiness. Because God is so Holy, even a little bit of sin, a, a dust particle of sin is enough to separate us from, from, from His presence. But God said this, He said, but because of my, my, the blood of my Son, it covers all sin evenly. It's like the difference, anybody, I'm, I'm, man, I'm going to date myself. Anybody remember a whiteout with a brush? Do you say, oh wow? Y'all pray, we may need a new leader. And, and, and I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
That's oh wow, you're old. That's what I just heard. Like that may be the devil talking, but I'm just saying. Well, holy wow. So did you chisel that on a stone, Pastor, when you when you did that before you white out? The thing about white out, which you're not gonna know, is that sometimes when you white out, you would still see the letters bleed through. So what would you do? You and before you knew it, you had like this much whiteout sticking off your page before you wrote over top of it. So then what they did was they invented in my generation this like tape whiteout. And, and nothing bled through that. Like we used to put it on people. It would stick to all kinds of stuff it was never intended for. You could start at one locker and stick it against it and walk down the hall and see if there were really 300 yards in it. Don't ask me how I know. <laughs> But nothing bled through that. The reality of it is, is when you have your sin covered by the blood of Christ, no matter how big or how small you think it is, nothing bleeds through. Meaning this, that God said this, He said that when you really repent of, I'll take your sin and I'll throw it in the sea of forgetfulness and I will remember it no more. I went a little King James on y'all. That means this, you can go, God, I am truly repentive and sorry for doing X. Make X anything you ever want to make it. And you can come back a sentence later and go, God, do you remember that thing I just asked forgiveness for? And God will look at you and say, I do not remember. The difference between humanity and God, one of many, is that God has the ability not only to forgive, but forget. People go, why didn't God give us that ability? Because I'm beating myself up for something I did 20 years ago. Can I be honest with you? You don't need to forget. Forget makes you sorry enough not to do it twice. Or 17 times. A couple of my sins I did like 137,000 times before I actually repented and broke free from it. And sometimes I've repented and broke free from it, but it was what Paul said was that sin that so easily besets me. We've all got a thing that we go to as a default that's unhealthy, that, that is sinful, that separates us from God. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you love Jesus. You stump your toe in the middle of the night. You are not that saved. I dropped a box of batteries this morning. I don't mean like four. I mean like they're probably 200 in this box and they went everywhere. And I was like, who I'm here to preach, but I cannot cuss this morning. But you drop a box full of batteries and have to pick them up at 7.30 in the morning, it'll make you think about it. The opportunity was there. It was teed up well. Now, am I saying the devil made me drop batteries? No, I think that was all me. He just said, you know what you should say right now? And I had about four good ones queued up, ready to go. He just... Does this make any sense? But for the grace of God, for the mercy of God, man, that's not a big deal. I, I don't think that our need to remember who and what we are is limited to us. We've been in a series called Journey to the Cross, and really what we've done is we kind of we started with the wedding of Canaan, which was Jesus' first miracle, and we just kind of walked through uh, just some highlight moments um, of Jesus' ministry and His journey. And today, um, we're, we're right before the cross, and, uh, and, and we're going to deal a little bit with denial because denial is a big part of, of our relationship, unfortunately, with God. Scripture reads this way in Luke chapter 22, 54 through 62. I'm going to read it and then I want to break it down. It says, And they seized him and led him away, he being Jesus. This was Jesus' arrest. And bringing him to the priest's house, and, and Peter followed at a distance. And when they had kindled the fire in the middle of the courtyard and they sat down together, Peter sat down among them. And the, then the servant girl, seeing him 
uh, as he sat in the light looking at him closely, said, this man was also with him. But he denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. And a little bit more, someone else saw him and said, you're the one. And Peter said, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another one said, certainly this man is also with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, I do not know this man you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord that he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. So verse 54, it says, And they seized him and led him away into the priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. Now I want want you to notice something that, that Peter had spent the last three and a half years close to Jesus. Now all of a sudden, it says that Peter was following Jesus from a distance. What happened was this, is that Peter changed his proximity to Jesus. I want you to take a look at this. Proximity is a nearness in space and time or relationship. Proximity is a nearness in space or time or in relationship. And here's what I found. That oftentimes where you stand will will instantaneously dictate the constraints of your relationship. It's like this. it's, It's like this. I've noticed that people have a little something going on in their life and one of the first things they want to do because they're a sinner, they don't feel like they should come to church. The church was created for sinners. People, everybody goes to church is holier than thou. I'm like, not my folks. They're jacked up still. <laughs> and even the ones that are straightened up are still jacked up. I, I'm confident of that because their pastor still has jacked up places in his life, and that is me. I don't look 100% like Jesus. Now, I'm trying to look like a reflection of him, but the best I can do, scripture says, is like filthy rags. Like, I'm a poor imitation of Jesus. I'm trying to look as good and as much like Him. Anybody remember when you first started following, your, you're trying to be like your dad, and you walked around in his shoes, and you were all clunky, and then one day your foot got bigger than his? But the weird thing is, is even though your foot filled his shoe up, you didn't feel like your identity could hold it up. What happens, even as we grow in the faith, it doesn't, we don't, uh, most guys have this point where they go toe-to-toe with their dad and they almost come to a knockdown, drag-out fight with him. It's part, of, it's part of a journey to manhood. It really is. Like it's, and, and here's the thing, I've never met a dude with a decent dad that didn't regret that moment. But, but here's the thing, just because you, you, you find yourself in conflict, well, once you're in conflict, the first thing you do is get away from each other. You, you ever had a, a, a bad argument with somebody and you just avoided them for like six months or six years? Because this, once the proximity of the relationship changed, the distance in the relationship had to change. Have you ever had, remember when you graduated high school or college and you're like, we're friends forever? <laughs> you're not. You're not even friends two years later. I had look, I wrestled with a bunch of guys and we're like, look, we're brothers, man. We're like to the end. 
I've got one phone number out of four years of wrestling. And I'm not sure it works. Because here's the thing, the minute our, our proximity changed, the proximity of our relationship changed. People, go this, people say this all the time, they're like, Pastor, I don't feel close to God. And my question is, where's your proximity? What are you listening to? Is what you're listening to changing the proximity to how you feel about God? Or do you feel closer to God or further away? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you read or listen to the Bible? Because if you don't, it's going to change your proximity. Hey, do you pray? Because if you do or don't, it's going to change your proximity. Hey, do you go to church? Because depending on where you stand, people that go to church tend to, tend to feel closer to God. Because they're making a willful choice to change the proximity of their life on Sunday morning, at least one day a week, to be closer to God. And so I sit there and I, I, I ask this question. Peter went from being like tight up next to Jesus to following Jesus from a distance. And then the next thing you know, at the end of this paragraph, Peter leaves the presence of God bitterly. And the next time he sees Jesus, he's probably hanging on a cross. Then he sees Him taken off a cross and thrown in a tomb. And the next time we hear from Peter, he's on a boat fishing. He goes back to everything he knew. Because the minute one proximity changes in your life, the rest of them follow it. So I sit here today, and, and I want to ask you a question. If you're a note taker, man, this is something I want you to ponder through the week. Does your current situation, does the situation in your life, does it change your proximity to Jesus? The trial you're going through, is the situation you're walking in, is the stress you're under, are all those things, do they change your proximity to Jesus? In other words, are, are you situationally connected to Jesus? Anybody ever seen people that are in situational relationships? Look, I'm, baby, it is me and you forever until the money runs out and then she's gone. Anybody, anybody remember those dudes in high school that had the cool car and all the women went out with them? And like, like in my day, it was like, a, I graduated in 1993, I don't mind telling you, and uh, high school in 93, and, and, and the guys that drove like a 92 IROC Z, yeah, they were cool back then. I got a woman in here going, whoo, they were, yes, I, yes, Lord, yes, praise the master, yes, I remember. You may need to repent. Which is, which is, I remember. Okay, so anyway, here's the thing: the dude that that drove that car in the day was cool, man. Because back then he probably had two fifteens in the back. One hundred two jam just came on. If you're in Alamance County. Oh, jam. Oh, jam. Anybody remember that that ran for like two weeks before they launched the station? Anyway, that was just a moment. Sorry. If, if you're young, I apologize. Old people do that. So what happens is this. The dude who drove the IROC-Z was cool in the 80s and 90s. But in 2023, he's just an old dude who's holding on too tight to something he should have let go of. And the girl who wanted to be seen in the IROC-Z in 1993 does not want to be seen in the IROC-Z in 2023. She wants you to get a job and buy a new car. 
Because we were situationally connected. The girl that would go out with you if you're alone on a desert island is not the same one that would go out with you in downtown Manhattan. She's got more options. So let me ask you a question. Are you, are you with God because of your situation? See, I know people that are with God when everything's going good, but they'll bail on Him when everything's going bad. And I know people that are exactly the opposite. They love some Jesus when everything's bad, but they will bail on Him the first time things start going good. So the question is, are you situationally connected to Jesus? Because at the Last Supper, Jesus looks at, uh, Peter looks at Jesus and goes, Jesus, I will go to the cross with you before I deny you. Dude, I will die for you. And now here He is a couple of hours later, and His whole proximity to Jesus is changing. And from that proximity, you're going to see the, the rest of His life change. Verse 55, it says this. It says, And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, they sat down together among them. Well, here's the real question. Who do you sit with? Like, who are you hanging out with? Research studies that you are the sum or the average of the five people you hang out with the most. You better, you better pick real careful who you hang out with. Because you will, be, you will become the average of those folks. You hang out with a bunch of losers, I'm just going to tell you. You hang out with a bunch of unspiritual people, people that don't love God, aren't in pursuit of God. You hang out with somebody with a nasty attitude. You ever seen your kid hang out with a turd down the street? I mean, a blessing of the Lord down the street. And then all of a sudden you tell him to do something and he says, no. Oh, Jesus, did you want him home today? Because I... <laughs> or they come home and they're like, well, Johnny's mama let him. And you're like, well, maybe you should go live with Johnny. Because last time I checked, I'm not Johnny's parents. And Johnny's three older sisters, nobody even knows where they're at anymore. And I don't want you to grow up to be that. You just don't love me. No, I love you enough that I'm not going to let you hang out with those people. Not that God doesn't love those people, but I don't want you acting like those people. When I walk into a room, I look for the people that I need to connect with that are going to lead me to the place that God wants me, not further away. Look, everybody needs one friend that doesn't love Jesus because when you fail and screw your life up, they will make you feel better about yourself. You need that one friend that's average is well below par. Can I say this? I suck at golf. My favorite people to play golf with are people that suck worse than I do because then I feel good. Because if you lower the bar low enough, you can make yourself look good. But then you but, but to really get better, you've got to play with people that are two or three steps ahead of you. And they'll make you want to quit. I'm never going to be that good. You know, they're playing in the fairway. You're taking walks through the woods. You're making up that that's your titleist ball, knowing good and well it's not. You're repenting for lying, but it's golf, right? So uh, you swing the club and throw the ball out of the woods. It's just golfing people know exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it's, it's almost expected. Because here's the thing. Who you sit with matters. 
you know, we've got Bloom coming up, and I'm just going to say this. If you're a woman, you, you absolutely should be here. If you're junior high or above, there's no reason that you shouldn't be here. You know why? It, it, one, Pastor Tracy's going to teach a great message, but number two, this. You've got to find a group of people to sit with. We believe this, We and, and this actually is one of her points, and I'm not stealing it, but I'm kind of stealing it. That's why she doesn't tell me stuff way in advance when she preaches, because it's good, and I take it. I believe this, that men are made to run in wolf packs. A lone wolf mentality is a, is a wolf that's sick and dying. Not my rules, it's, it's nature's and God's. But you know what? Women were not made to be alone. And the problem is, is that the women that most women connect with, men are dogs. You put two dogs together and they don't like each other, you know it. They're like drool and snot and you hold two collars and you separate them and they just can't play together. Cats are different. <laughs> cats will act like they love you. Anybody ever had a cat rub up on you, like all through your legs, and then you reach down and like bites or smacks your hand? That's a woman. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, Wim no, no, no. Men, wherever our emotional point is with anger or dislikement or resentment, you're going to know it. That's why two dudes can go out in the parking lot and scream at each other and come in here and worship Jesus and hold hands. They're great. They're like, brother, I love you. I mean, you're just wrong, but I love you. Two women get mad. It takes four years, act of Congress and Jesus coming back down on earth for us to smooth it out. If I'm lying, somebody tell me. It's, it's, it's just the way it is. It's not better or worse. It's different. Thank God my wife doesn't act like a man. I don't want her to. I say stuff to, to, to dudes that I would never say to my wife. You walk up to, to your wife and you're like, hey baby, you're looking good. You're beautiful. You're right. You're winking. You, you walk up to a dude and you're like, what's up, you old ugly fart? How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? What's that baby do? What's that baby? You walk up and say that to a woman, you're going to wake up in heaven. <laughs> Let her put on a couple of pounds, pat her belly, and ask her when the baby's due. She's just, bam! And nobody's going to convict her. She's going to walk into court and be like, why'd you kill him? Well, he patted my stomach and asked me when I was due. Oh, okay, well, you know. Temporary insanity, next case. Justifiable homicide right there. Because who you hang out with matters. And if you're a woman... I want you to think about it. Are the sum of your five friends, do they all look like Proverbs 31 women? Guaranteed they don't. That's why we do Bloom. Guys, we're, we, we've got a guy's retreat that will be coming up here before long. Man, you need, to, you need to get the sum of your five friends. You need to bring your average up. Because part of the way that Peter ended up in the shape that Peter was in was he quit hanging out with the twelve because remember, they all scattered. Judas, probably at this very moment, is hanging himself. Well, that won't cause any kind of guilt, will it? Because Peter's in his mind's going to think, you know what, if I'd have had my stuff together, not only could I have helped Jesus, but I would have kept Judas, who even though Judas, we see him as a villain, right? Judas was still one of the twelve. He was a brother. And he lost him to suicide. Man, through our life, we stack up all this guilt and shame and regret. And oftentimes what it causes us to do is begin to sit with people that God never intended us to sit with. I want you to notice something in this text, and this isn't even in my notes. It said that um, the lady looked at him. She said this in verse uh, 56, a servant girl 
uh, seeing him in the light, looking closely at him, said, this man was also with him. Here's the thing, you can't hide who you are. You know the reason a lot of people live yo-yo relationships through the through, through their faith journey? In other words, they're really up close to God, and then they're far away, and then they're back, and then they're, and they spend their whole life doing that because they're trying to hide who they really are. You were created to be near and like God. And here's the thing, even when you're, you, you ever notice that even when you were doing sinful things, you weren't really, really happy doing them? Like there was always this part of your life that was in conflict. It's because you were trying to do something you were never created for. And even though you were hanging around with dark people, when the light hit your face, everybody else could see it. And I just wonder what happens when you sit there and you go, you know what, I'm going to do a couple of things. One, I'm going to stop situationally being connected to Jesus. Either I'm with Jesus or I'm not. Two, I'm going to start looking at who I'm sitting with because the people that I'm connected with are going to matter where I go. I want you to read this. I love this. Then the servant girl, seeing him in the light, sat looking closely at him and said, this man was also with him. And he denied it. Man, how often do we deny who... God wants us to be. And he said, woman, I do not know him. And sometime later, someone else saw him and said, you're also one of them. And Peter said, man, I'm not. And after an interval of about an hour, another uh, insisted saying, certainly this man was also with him for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know who you're talking about. Immediately while he was speaking, a rooster crowed. Now imagine this next line. And the Lord turned and looked at, it, at Peter. Peter remembered the things that the Lord had said to him. Before the rooster crows today, you'll deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Denial. Denial by definition is the action of declaring something to be untrue. I wonder how many times you declare things about you that you know are true, but you're in denial of them. You know you were created to be a man or woman of God. You know that you were committed to be in the house of God. You know that you were, you were created to talk a certain way and live a lifestyle a certain way and all this. But because you're afraid of failing, you deny who you really are. And in doing so, you deny who God is in your life. We look at Peter and go, I would never deny Jesus. But then I wonder sometimes if Jesus doesn't look at us and go, yeah, but you deny who I'm trying to be in you. And if you deny who I'm trying to be and live out through your life, then you're actually denying me. Because here's what I believe. I believe that, the, that, that if, if, if Peter would have tried to follow Jesus to the cross, Jesus wouldn't let him. But because he was so busy having this internal battle, he missed his moment to be what God really created him to be. Now, what we learn is that God has forgiveness and grace and just go on, right? Uh, so you can be here and you can have a past a mile long and God says, man, there's forgiveness for it. There's mercy for it. You can be here and not really have done anything wrong, but still be wrong because your proximity is wrong. So there's two things I want you to, I want you to take away today. Your destiny and your denial are based on your proximity. Your destiny and your denial are based on your proximity.
I'm going to give it to you again because I really like that. Your destiny and your denial are based on your proximity. Your proximity to two things. One, your proximity to Jesus. How close are you staying? Here's the great thing, that when you waver, anybody ever missed a devotional, you forgot to pray, you, you woke up late and you skipped it? You know the great thing is? I've left the house and not told my family goodbye. Or I've done the, the run and shout goodbye. Love y'all, see y'all, I'm late, bye. Well, it doesn't mean that I don't love them. Now, what I do is when I come home, you walk in the house, you go, whew, I'm sorry I left that way. Guys, my alarm didn't go off. I overslept. I... Why do we treat God any different? Hey, God, I don't have time to do what I normally do, but you know that I love you. Man, will you be with Right? Just have that conversation. God, we're going to have to talk in the car because I'm running late. Anybody ever called their spouse from the car and go, hey, sorry I ran out like that, but... What if we said this? We said, man, that we believe that our destiny and our denial are located in our proximity. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep an eye on my proximity to Jesus. And if I, if I have to cut one thing short, I'm going to extend time somewhere else. Here's the other thing. What if we said that our destiny and denial are also related to our proximity to the people in our life? And if you left here today and you said, I'm going to do two things. One, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I'm not situationally connected to Jesus. I'm going to get connected to Jesus. And if you don't know how to be connected with Jesus, there's about 40 people that are walking around this room with these squares on their chest that say, hey, I'm here to, I'm here to serve. Let them serve you. Look at them and say, hey, can you help me know how to connect to Jesus? Those people know how to do it. And if they don't know how to do it, help us figure out that they don't know how to do it so we can teach them and teach you at the same time. Because you could be like Marianne and Fred who are turning in this morning from New Jersey. And you go, man, I can't do it. Maybe you're watching online and you're like, man, I, I can't talk to somebody in a tag. Well, you know what? you got a whole chat box there. Just type in, can somebody help me? And we will help you. Because here's what I believe. I believe that your destiny and your denial are tied to your proximity to God and the people in your life. And if you'll evaluate and begin to change this, well, maybe you sit here and you go, man, I don't have five friends that all love Jesus. Well, you need to find new five friends. Walk up and start connecting with people. Have people all the time go, man, I'm not connected to anybody at church. I'm like, how many people did you introduce yourself to this week? Hi, my name is... You want to make it creepy? Go, will you be my friend? You can do it. It's not necessarily recommended. But as we come to close, here's, here's my question. Where are you in your proximity to God? And how does that affect your life? Is it situational? Two, could it be that the reason you're struggling to swim is your friends are pulling you down? Can we pray together? Father, right now, will you examine each one of our hearts and lives? God, if we're situationally connected to you, if we're only connected to you because things are going bad or they're only connected to you because things are going good, God, will you burst something new in our lives? God, if we're running with the wrong people, if we're hanging with the wrong crowd, God, will you open doors and give us wisdom to walk through so that we connect, connect with the right people? Because God, I believe that our destiny and our denial are connected to our proximity to you and people. If you're here today, 
watching online and you're like, Pastor, I'm here, but I'm not where I'm supposed to be with God. I'm, I, I need to give my life to Him. I need to start this journey. My proximity is wrong. Will you slip your hand up? I just want to pray with you real quick. Can we pray together across this building? Dear Heavenly Father, right now I invite you into my life. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. Make me right with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So worship team comes. Can you give these folks a round of applause? Thank you for being part of our Thrive Tribe. If you want to partner with this ministry and what the Lord is doing here at Thrive, visit thrivechurchonline.com and click on the Give tab. Help us reach more people just like you by rating and subscribing to this podcast. You don't want to miss what's coming next.